0: time to learn. My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: And I wish I wasn't human. My name is Shahir Dowd. And
0: this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film I Am Mother.
1: Ooh, this is the second mother in the Mother Cinematic Universe. In the universe. Mother
0: Cinematic Universe. It's not mother. It's still uh, the MCU, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Ah, Shahir with the first MCU <laughs> joke Me. right off the bat. First 10, 10 to 15 seconds, I, I th- would say. I
1: think Baby Dread coined it Was just that I use the MCU as like a reference to engage you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just get excited. You just get excited, and it's a, it puts a happy smile on my you face. You know what you
0: hear? I understood that reference. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we are doing the Netflix sci-fi film that kind of flew under uh, my radar at first. It,
1: I think it was a film that came out that that did get good reviews. We had always intended to do it, but uh, yeah. a little bit of a shift of schedule this week. We were going to be doing Lulu Wong's film, The Farewell. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, couldn't make it out to a screening, so we just wanted to jump on uh, Am mother and kind of clear up uh, some of the backlog of films that I always get disappointed by by the end of the year when it's like oh I really wish we'd done this film or I really wish we'd done that film to kind of include it in our top 10 everything I do basically in life is to is to put things on our top 10 list of course of top course. 10 things I did this year and top time top 10 things <laughs>
0: I I missed up on the podcast <laughs> top ten
1: times I
0: Had a great coffee. I still, yeah, no, I mean, if only I had that list. No, I I do want to do the farewell. Uh, I do love Aquafina from even back in the Code days. Uh, I'm sure she might even remember my name if she saw my face, maybe. Uh, (laughs) Maybe. But... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we we did I think we've both worked with Aquafina. She's great uh, and she uh, was super fun and she's been I mean, I was a I was a fan of hers even before I met her from uh back in uh the, the music video days of hers with My Vag, directed by Court Dunn, who has been uh, on this show, I believe. Oh, has he? Uh yeah. Uh so yeah. Uh good good stuff. We will get there. Uh man, the summer <laughs> is wrapping insanely quickly.
1: Oh, you think it's good? I think we're like in the peak summer right now, so I'm like sweating down to my nipples.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) Temperature-wise, you're 100%. The Earth's going to burn up, and we're all going to melt away like a wayward popsicle. What I'm saying is just the timing. Like, every week, it's like, oh, by the way, it's this time again. Have you done the podcast yet? What have you seen? And I'm like, no. What? No. I thought it was Monday, and it's not Monday.
1: So we, I guess being a Netflix film, uh, this is making it easier on you. However, not being able to escape to the air conditioning of a movie theater is making it maybe a little bit more difficult We apologize for that. Um, Please email us in your thoughts of films that we should definitely see before the end of the year at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. As did Dan, who wrote us in about our Spider-Man episode, which uh, went a little bit like this. And I'm just going to say this with a little bit of humble breath. Oh, good. Shahir's <laughs> point about Iron Man and Peter's world not going together for me highlights the issues I have with the MCU Spidey. That being that it isn't Peter Parker and instead a weird combination of Miles Morales in Far From Home uh, and in Far From Home, Riri Williams. Uh, for those who don't know, Riri Williams is the newest, latest incarnation of Iron Man in mm-hmm. the uh, in the Iron Man comic books. Uh, uh, in which, And this is a version in which uh, Miles and Riri kind of exist in the MCU you as they are in the comics because instead Peter is there and is a stand-in for Peter uh, and, and as a stand-in for Peter is further not able to be his own character.
0: Uh, uh, well first things first a humble brag is you can't call it out that it's no longer a humble brag Shahir. So no, let's No, well
1: that is because you're saying a humble brag.
0: No, you don't say humble brag things just are humble brags. I I no, the, the, the the very definite the very defi- defining of a humble brag means it's no longer humble.
1: Uh, the person who defined humble
0: brag. <laughs> Let's is do always, it. Let's go. No, it was
1: uh, Harris Whittles, uh, rest in peace, uh, from Parks and Recreation, oh. who, who wrote a book about it called Humble Brag. Um, and uh, it, I, I think the rules around what a humble brag are, are loose, but it's basically the, the punchline to humble brag is to say something and then say humble brag. But you said it first does that matter? That's not
0: a punchline. You can't lead with your punchline. Anyway, <laughs> what uh so that that is semantics with this guy. I love it. That's semantics should be my middle name. No, yeah. uh I respectfully disagree with uh Dan's email. Oh, because Oh, hey. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. I know. Whoa. Um I think there's plenty of room for Miles and uh Riri in the MCU as we move down the line. Peter Parker, there's been so many iterations of of Peter Parker and who Peter Parker is. Um now, granted, the the core lore, let's say, was core he lore. core lore hashtag yeah. core lore, <laughs> yeah. uh, was he was a poor kid from Queens that was always really smart, but it was almost like a junker. Yeah, uh, and like if any tech he had, he sort of built out of nothing, which. Doesn't quite make sense, especially when you get to, you know, probably, I, I would say, the 80s-ish run when he's still supposed to be super poor and Yeah, he does run out of web flu and whatever, but he always makes, like, he makes, like, spider lights and spider bots and, spi- you know, like, it's just, he can just do it. He, he has the magic of technical know-how. So he's always had that. And actually, in, in future iterations and uh, various things, um, he forms Parker Industries. He actually becomes sort of a Tony Stark when Tony Stark was uh, away. This is actually... In the same runs uh, of the comic books as Miles and Riri, so there, there are so he, he
1: coexists with Miles and Riri, and is it a, is it a kind of Batman Beyond scenario where he's passed on the torch?
0: Kind, no, it's it's sort of um. So the the God, here we go, deep, deep, deep. The Marvel comic books had the Ultimate Universe, and right. then that eventually collapsed in on itself, and that brought a few characters over, including Miles Morales. So now there's two Spider Men, yeah, uh, in the MCU, from what I understand, though I haven't kept up with fully in the last year, and Riri uh, is is Ironman. So um I, I think that there is plenty of room. I think if if they go sort of the I don't know what direction they'll actually go to I, to to match them, but they have been done before. I, I
1: I think what what Dan's point is is that in the current incarnation, it doesn't feel like uh, well, sure they're not going to launch Morale. Miles
0: and Riri tomorrow. Like it's going to be Peter's going to shift. There's going to be space, right. and then they're going to come up and be the better versions of what Pe- Peter Parker, what Peter Parker's characteristic. And this I guess will be my last thing I'll say about it is he's never. Because of what he he's always pulled in a million different directions, he's only good enough to do one thing at a time, right. and he's always trying to do all the things at the time, at the same time. And no matter what, if he saves the world, his family life suffers. If he uh, messes up a thing and goes after a, a friend or whatever, uh, his 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 um, they might be safe, but then something dangerous will come down the line. Money always tanks for him because it's just sort of how it goes. Uh, it, it's, he is a classic like uh one foot forward two steps back character and sometimes he gets ahead like i think he's kind of uh positioned right now in the mcu but i have a feeling uh as things sort of move forward especially with this uh the revelations at the end of the last film which i won't spoil in case you haven't seen it um things might go a different way
1: okay anyway i I, um no no real opinion about that other than i guess my my only thought uh about the the peter parker mcu thing right now is that feels i want more miles
0: Morales. i want more into the spider-verse than i do uh mcu spider-verse i bet you um at a certain point they will figure out a way to sort of uh the two worlds together kind of like at least in a rules-based perspective like <laughs> if miles morales shows up in the mcu
1: his his uncle has his uncle has yeah, yeah. prowler um no, no no uh no no miles morales's uncle has yeah prowler no, Prowler was the uh Prowl oh was that it was that Danny Glovis character was Prowler. Yeah. yeah oh, okay, yeah.
0: all right, yeah. Um so I don't know. They they could easily they could easily do some multiverse shit if they wanted to, and I think no one would care at this. It's gotten yeah. so weird. Like, you could just go. Put me on that list yeah. uh, of oh, not caring. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, thank you very much for that. Again, you can email us in. We've got some interesting things happening on Twitter about uh, Midsummer imagery as well. Check out our episode on Midsummer, which came out last week. We're not going to spoil anything from Midsummer this yes. week, but please check out that film as we both thoroughly enjoy oh, it.
0: Oh, and uh, side note we were just on another podcast. Uh, we crossed the multiverse ourselves, here. Mm-hmm. We were on Jacob's Movie Motion uh, to talk about Midsummer. So I think by the time this comes out, that'll be out. So yeah. go check us out invading other people's uh, cinematic universes.
1: It's a fantastic podcast which tries to figure out how you emotionally connect to a film. The podcast is called Movie Motion, M O V I. E M O T I O N. There you go. Uh, spell spelling B uh, w- uh, is you all coming it. back to me. Uh, yeah, no, it's a fun fun episode uh, between four different states where we're trying to figure out how to emotionally connect with each other when we can't even see uh, each other, and usually we're out of sync with each other. But their, it's a lot of fun.
0: Their uh, their questions that they had for us were I don't even want to spoil it, but they were real fun.
1: Yeah, uh, really fun. Put me on the spot, like uh, put both of us on the spot yeah. uh, um, in terms of like emotional resonance. So uh, really enjoyed that. Jacob's also listen to the show, so shout out to Jacob. What's up, what's up, what's up? All right. So we're into uh, another Netflix film that we haven't talked about in a while. Or we haven't actually done a Netflix film in a while. Uh, But this one comes from, from Down Under which makes me excited, uh, from an Australian writer-director by the name of Grant Spator. Yes. Uh, oh, actually, no, he is the director, but uh, uh, there is another writer on this, uh, Michael Michael Lloyd Green, who might be British, so I won't hold that against him. Um, and you won't
0: hold the, the Australian against uh, the other gentleman either. No, oh,
1: no, of course not. Um, Doesn't New Zealand
0: and Australia have a bit of a, 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 a rivalry? rivalry? And, also, and
1: this week, the, the rivalry between New Zealand and the UK got very, very heated as uh, both of them went into the, the, uh, into the Cricket World Cup. Uh, and ah. New Zealand lost kind of controversially. Oh. So, uh, irrespective of how many wickets we took, um, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to jump into the future to I Am Mother. Uh, Matt, do you want to read us the IMDB synopsis for I Am Mother?
0: I would love nothing more than to do just that. A teenage girl is raised underground by a kindly robot, quotes mother, designed to... uh, uh, repopulate the earth following an extinction of mankind. Uh, but their unique bond is threatened when an inexplicable stranger arrives with alarming news. Alarming news? Yeah. You're being raised by a robot. That's pretty alarming. You're being raised by a robot. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, it's, you know, that's a, that's a whole <laughs> ca- cave shadow scenario. You don't know that that's weird.
1: So I put this on in the middle of the night last night. Uh, I've been working uh, very long hours. And so this was uh, the last task among many that I put on. And the first thing that freaked me out was the runtime. It was. Uh, it's. It's nearly. It's close to two hours, and it was. Is it? Was, it? Yeah, it's close I, to two hours, and and I. And the only thing that freaked me out about that was that I'm. I'm tired, no, two hours doesn't normally freak me out, uh, but I'm very tired, and I started watching at midnight. I could not turn take my eyes away from this movie. Yeah. And uh, my wife was sort of uh, in the <laughs> next room. She heard the baby cry, and she came out, and she was like, "And she was like, oh, what is this movie? And she sat down, and she started watching. Oh, she watched it. And, and she was like, man, this is great. Uh, and I, look, I don't normally do like a non-analytical I just love a thing. I just love this thing. I love this thing pretty unabashedly, and I have so much to say about... Um, why I think this is um, kind of a work of genius. Um, But more than anything, I think there's been a run of... um uh, there's a thing in the short film world of proof of concept science fiction short films, yes, uh, which often turn out to be less than uh, less than stellar in terms of their effectiveness. But it is the when, hot,
0: when they become a feature. You're
1: saying. When they become a feature, but but basically, uh, and you and I both know this. Um, I've taken a bunch of meetings about this, um, but 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 essentially, um, every studio is always impressed by. Uh, a young filmmaker able to create a science fiction short film. Because yes. because science fiction, for whatever reason, demonstrates a technical acumen. Um, and so whenever someone does a short film that demonstrates a technical acumen, uh, that is uh, heralded as something very valuable. Uh, it also, um, usually science fiction properties are very sellable, much like horror was back in the day. We also live in a period where science fiction is much more producible than it used to be.
0: I have a theory on why uh, the the technical acumen, like why it's sort of a proof of the person's uh, uh, abilities or whatnot. And I think it's because in order to craft a a compelling sci-fi film, no matter what your budget, no matter what you're doing, you have to balance all of your elements to make sure that whatever fantastical world you're building is it feels real. Yeah, it's world-building. It's, it's one more step, because you could you have to do that in any film, right? Yeah. But if you're doing like a a, 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 a a drama set in the 2000s, like, yeah, you got to get that sort of feel right, but at the same time, you're just worried about making people feel like people, or yeah. making them feel like however you want them to feel in that constrained space. This is, oh yeah, be a real person, but also there's sentient, maybe, robots mm. and uh, underground bunkers and an extinction-level event, but make us believe this, right. and it's, it's harder, I think. I, I, well... It's it's, I, it's more. It's well, more. What's to unfortunate
1: for 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 me watching observing from the sidelines is that there's a lot of incredible. Dramas, comedies that aren't genre pieces that get looked over yes. in favor, Agreed. in my opinion, of lesser science fiction pieces yep. because the science fiction pieces just have that kind of whiz-pop-bang whiz, uh, factor to it. So it's all shiny. Um, so, But this was, in fact, well, everything I'm saying, this was not a short film, uh, I believe, but this was a uh, a feature-length pitch that was... Um, uh, Since that 2016. Was, eh? Yeah, that was written and uh, it ended up on the blacklist. Um, and, and the thing is, I think this is... Is the, this is the epitome of how of what people are actually looking for in that genre, or should be looking for. It's a shame that it hasn't made much more of a splash. Although uh, I can't imagine watching this and going, "We're not going to hire this guy to do a right. hundred different films." Um, then I want to so, and and I think the thing that I want to posit uh, for our later on discussion, outside of just the things we liked and uh, you know things we think worked, um, I wondered very curiously and positive and want to pause it as a question what if the world of um, franchise building looked and felt like this because one of the things that I note I, I kind of felt very strongly while watching this is that this is a spiritual successor to the Terminator films and if the Terminator and, and I think the Terminator films past uh, Terminator 2 have all been pretty pretty bad uh, if a Terminator film, felt like this i think we'd be in a pretty amazing place and this 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 to me really felt like a spiritual not necessarily a direct sequel or anything like that Or a thematic it, it, successor but it's spiritual successor mm. to the terminator franchise and that i think it captures the essence of what makes Terminator special, and and not the and not the whiz pop bang things that we all kind of that I think every movie has just tried to build on. I think it. Oh that, God. This is a, this is a big question. There's no there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just kind of positing it for later. Um,
0: but that that was my initial thoughts as I was watching. I'm it. I'm fifty on that. I think uh, I don't again. I think <laughs> there is no right answer. The, the it, it, Terminator for me, beyond um you know just the action, sort of the as you've quoted the whiz bang of it. Uh, has always been about um, the fear of man's creation sort of destroying us, right? Uh and 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 that destruction in the Terminator films was just killing us because it's only known war. I mean, you could even look at um. I mean, oh god, we just did so many things on extra sci-fi and extra credits. We just did. I have no mouth and I must scream, which is basically uh, a, a a story where um uh you know the computers of the world eventually linked up, became sentient, and because it was only fed on like military and like killing data, like that's all people became. And then when it killed all the people, it left six alive just to torture because it was so angry or whatever the computer equivalent of angry was. That to me is a very Terminator feeling thing. What's, what's even more, I think, and this is where I I think it, it might be a, rather than a spiritual successor. And again, this is a semantic thing. I might even say an evolution Mm -hmm. because you know, a a monster coming to kill you because it hates you because it was programmed to hate you is scary, right? Um, A monster That and without getting into too many spoilers, like might still have uh, some best interests of things uh, (laughs) at at heart behind why it's doing things. Yeah, uh, I think is much more interesting and makes you. It's there's there's the the baseline. Oh no, I might die. Sort of scary, but then there's the. Oh God, I might agree with why I'm gonna die. Like, there's there's a lot more to think about uh, as for from a humanity perspective in uh, I Am Mother than the Terminator films, right? And so- and
1: I think uh, spiritual successor and evolution aren't mutually exclusive. No, no, yeah. no, no. no, no. Um, so that that was just like as I was watching it, that was the the thought that came to mind. But I think you know, like uncannily, there's a lot of nods to James Cameron's uh, Terminator movie in this, not le- least of which the. The uh, the actual uh, it, we see some uh, flying devices that look very reminiscent of uh, Terminator. Oh yeah, the Hunter Killers. Killers. Yeah, and then there's actually a direct moment where um, where it feels like it's a riff straight from Terminator 2. Um, but but I think that that uh, I'm pointing those out as as I think that they're fun more than right. anything. This is a, a film unto itself uh, that is beautifully made. Uh, elegantly told, and absolutely captivating. I could I could not, you know, late in the middle of the night, I could not take my eyes off this thing.
0: And it's funny, too, because, you know, I, full disclosure, as we sort of stated before, we plan on doing a different film this week, uh, and they were like, well, okay, well, you know what? There's a couple on our back catalog that have looked interesting, but here's the deal. So, you know, a lot of times I watch a Netflix film, and I'm like... You know, sometimes they're phenomenal. Roma, like, you know, ha. Huh. But then, like, other times we're just sort of like, all right, I mean, there was... <coughs>
1: Cloverfield Paradise. Well, I mean, that was just a
0: piece <laughs> of shit,
1: but the... But, you know, also a Netflix on this was, this was not a, a Netflix produced. They they bought they it. They bought it, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And and because it, it did feel like it meant for a theatrical... I don't know, like... It, it's, it,
1: I, I think... This is the thing, is I wish this movie played in a the theater and people went to see it. Because I, I cannot... I, I love this thing so much, I cannot imagine... And it speaks to so such a broad audience. Yeah, you know, like you know that whole four quadrant thing. This speaks so far across those four quadrants. Yeah, that I can't imagine this thing doing not doing well in the theater. But it maybe it's a little slow. Maybe that maybe that's a maybe that's an issue. But but I absolutely
0: love. I would thing. never call this film slow. Like if if uh, uh, and I know you're not. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just I, saying, I know yeah, people yeah. might call it slow in this sort of day and age. But like it's slow. Like Alien is slow. Right, like aliens, not slow. It's just stuff's not moving super quickly across the screen all the time. Like mm-hmm. there's emotional tension being built, uh, you know, breathing, if you will, uh, in in both films. There, uh, I think that. Um, I mean, the 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 interesting thing is when I turned this on, I had that like, well, it's a Netflix sci-fi movie. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. Uh, and it was so good. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, in the first 10 minutes I was watching it, then I had to take a call. Yeah. Uh, it was a call I was waiting for all day. And uh, I, I started, rather than talking about the business stuff I had to talk about, I, I just talk talked about, about the... I was like, you know, I'm not normally this much gushy about this sort of stuff, but I'm 10 minutes into this Netflix sci-fi mm-hmm. film, and I'm like, can I talk about it for a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah. So I talked about it with the person I was on the phone with, and, uh, and then I got went back to it. I was like, I am enjoying myself. And I did throughout. And I think... Um, obviously, pacing and the way it sort of sets itself up is in the very beginning of sort of showing uh mother the robot waking up and g- growing uh the first person and you know the the child growing up, et cetera, is very um effective, but also, man, the art direction and the set design and the way that they've built tech, yeah, uh felt so real and possible and it's so funny because it gets through a bunch within the first 10 or 15 minutes i'm writing my notes and i'm watching it and i'm just like this is beautiful i can't believe it and i was like i wait i gotta stop gushing about this i need a criticism i was like no because like sometimes i worry that like my own fanboy will be showing and like i can't actually like there has to be something a little bit off somewhere so i was like that's "Hmm."
1: not how criticism works
0: uh it is for me sometimes i worry that i don't you don't need to have a negative you, I, I I understand you don't need to have a negative. Yeah. I think you can find a negative in anything if you look hard enough. I mean that's a shitty way of yeah. That's of thinking, a, but yeah, that's but a but, but way. like the, to say something is for instance perfect is not constructive. Well, because then there's no room for improvement. Then why make more stuff? You know, unless,
1: unless you truly think it's perfect and you have a reason
0: for saying that. Right, but then it's like, well, why keep watching movies? Just keep watching that one again. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: I, I, listen, I, we're getting I, off track.
0: Yeah. My point is, I was like, okay, I was like, I was like, I wonder if there's anything here that I'm not enjoying. Right, and then I was like, oh well, you know what. Here's a facility underground where it seems like for years nothing broke down and like it's just tech that just keeps working and I literally started writing uh love a tech world that never breaks and then it shows her fixing mother mm. the daughter fixing mother's hand because it broke and I was like cross it out cross that like out. they like every like it was only happened once or twice but every time where I'm like this could break my uh, my immersion oh nope it didn't yeah, the,
1: I mean, I, I think you could, if you wanted to, nitpick little story elements like like there's a person who enters the film later on, and there's a question mark around how this person has survived uh, for so long. But but um, but I but but I I, I I I do I I know we're not going to go down this rabbit hole, and I don't want to make a point of this, but I don't I don't think that's Looking for something negative is is I, I I don't think that's a that's a really positive way to do
0: it. Like seeing something negative sure. and noting it. But you never you never think to yourself when you're watching anything. Uh, yeah. When you're just like, oh, well, you even said you even said at the beginning of this thing where you're like, you normally don't go into the, these things on just like, oh my god, I just love this thing. What was it exactly you said? I,
1: I don't I don't always no. My point there is I always want to have like a point of a, a point of criticism.
0: That's I, what, no, no, ah! not I'm sorry.
1: But th- I'm not using criticism in the same way you're using it. Point of criticism: me- criticism is the ability to engage with a topic. Right. It's not that, not that. criticism as in I'm criticizing you.
0: It's engaging in the art of criticism. I, I, I'm talking criticism. about that sort of thing too. I think uh-huh. I might have just worded it differently. Right.
1: But I, I, I th- and again, I'm, I'm not being. I I just think. If you see something that you don't Say like, that re- respond to it. But if you don't, then there's no reason but to... I did, but to... that's
0: my point. I did see a thing. I was like, oh, wait. I, 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 maybe I worded it wrong. Yeah. I was engaged with the film. Yeah. I then was like, huh, this is a little weird that the super clean thing works for 30 years and nothing breaks. Oh, there's something broken. Right. Like It was that moment of my brain was like, maybe there's something. Oh, right. nope. Nope. Like and, I, maybe and, I and paid here, that and, too and much. Like no, I was here, looking here, for a thing. Just
1: here's how I would phrase what you're saying: is the 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 sustainability of the technology is, is slightly stretches credulity, right? But that, it, that's but what, that is. But that, that is that's a, essentially what you're saying, right? I but, thought
0: that, and then it, it. and then it addressed it, and then it addressed
1: it. But 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 you like know, instantly. Know, like, it was, yeah, it was instantly. The
0: timing was perfect.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, you know, like I, I don't think that's a particular like. And I know you'd immediately credit it, but uh, uh, it immediately corrected that for you. But I don't think that's a strong. Point of contention against this film.
0: I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm literally. I'm literally. Stop <laughs> trying to make me disagree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Moving on, uh,
1: because you know this is gonna be one of those episodes, and and I think part of this is also the process of discovery as well. This is a yeah. film that you know like isn't playing very far and wide. It's not talked about super much. It came out. People who saw it enjoyed it. It's got a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, but a 73% from an audience score. And the audience Weird. score, and the audience score, you know, is things like the whole storyline was real. I'm reading some of the comments yeah. right now. Uh, the whole storyline was really bad. Prepare for a letdown ending. Um, the a film is a little a film is a little dark for me. Um, <laughs> you know, like things like that. And I and I I I. There's a point at which we, you know, like, and we've talked about the discrepancy between the discrepancy between the uh, audience score and the critic score, um, and you know, like for example, in the Marvels world, for example, that that uh, relationship is flipped around, um, and I, I wonder. Part of me wonders about whether the audience is right and and the critics are wrong, or whether the critics are like trying to drag the audience into a place that that they believe. I, I, it's a it's a bit of a mixture of both because ultimately the things that are oftentimes the things that are critically reviled make a ton of money. People a lot of people see and engage with it. The things that critics love don't tend to make a lot of money and and don't get seen. So I'm like I'm there's no balance to this equation that actually makes correct sense like in the ideal scenario for for me uh, you know like speaking broadly i would love it if films that critics loved and engaged with were the films that went on and made a lot of money because people saw the value in them in their engagement like we talked about this uh, we were on a podcast called the test of time a, a little bit uh, earlier this year and we talked about a film called sorcerer uh, by william friedkin and one of the things william friedkin talked about very uh potent uh very powerfully was that how prior to star wars Audiences never even considered how much money a movie made. Like they never, you know, there was never any conversations of you should go see this because the box office is so huge. And and I I wonder about that push and pull in the dynamic of the cinematic world that we live in Are right now. Are you saying there might be some unintended negative consequences to capitalism? Uh I think I'm positive Christian. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Uh yeah, no, I, I think that I, I think that's an interesting interesting thing. Regardless, I am unabashedly in love with this movie.
0: Here's why I'm going to say something uh, not about the negative about the MCU, but negative about what the MCU has wrought um, or or things like it. Um, I... I think people know at this point I seem to like, you know, I'm obviously a big fanboy of that sort of stuff in the in the uh, summer blockbuster reaction stuff, of course. But I don't think I could be a fan of all of those things if I also wasn't a fan of um, uh, deeper, uh, more consistently psychological, I will say, uh, cinema. Because... I need it to for for my uh, viewing diet. I need all stuff. I obviously the food pyramid is bullshit, but like you do need to uh, w- when when fueling yourself, no matter how you're describing it, uh, too much of one thing is always bad for you. And uh, I worry that um, people that say watch this and like oh it's too slow or like disappointing ending are people that. Uh, have been trained so much uh in what they watch and not sort of going outside of their comfort zones quite a bit um and that that sucks uh i i, I hope i what I hope if, there, if there's one <laughs> this is gonna be a weird statement if there is one uh boon that i would like to uh this podcast to do for people is no matter what side of this coin you're on, if you're on Shahir's side or my side or, 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 or are we, it, are we even on opposite sides. I don't sides know. Well, not on this one, but like, or if the, if you're literally that, that one in a million chance where the coin lands on its edge. Um, I hope that we cover enough of a breadth of cinema here where, uh, if you came here for Spider Man Far From Home, you could also, uh, you know, also Leave take with away a, uh, with I Mother, or, or burning, or yeah, you know, yeah. so, you know, something, uh, something else, or vice versa. Uh, because I do really think that the the way to uh, have a sort of healthy mind about these sort of things is to engage in in all different types of it. Uh, and this this movie was such a good, uh, such a pleasant surprise for me, and such a, a a missing element in what I feel a lot of sci fi is trying to do uh, these days. In, in in terms of pacing in terms of if actually having something to say right and not getting lost in its own weeds by the end right um yeah i i dug it and I, it was such it was it was a breath of fresh air uh at the end of my tuesday evening uh when i was overworked and i was just sort of like i don't know if i okay and same thing jair i just watched it and i was like yep yeah. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was, I was on my edge of the seat uh, pretty much till the end.
1: Uh, and I think, I, I think the reason is, is that there's so much meat on this film to chew on in terms of what it's asking philosophically. And I, and to me, that was the sort of most interesting parts of Terminator yeah. and the, ter- you know, Terminator One and Terminator Two, um, <laughs> is, is, the, is the, 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 the sense that there is a philosophy to, to what is happening in these, in you know, like can a robot take care and feel an emotion for something even though it's pre-programmed too. My favorite parts were the catchphrases. In this film? No, in Terminator. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So that's the two sides <laughs> of the film. Chill classroom. out, yeah, dickwad? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the two sides of it. Yeah, that's the <laughs> philosophy I'm talking about. You know, should you relax when your state, you know, when your state of mind is one of being a dickwad. <laughs> um, no, the the I think the film really cleverly sets up this idea right at the beginning, and it's through this medical, uh, medical philosophy that it uh, that uh, question that is asked of daughter at
0: one point. Yeah, Where, yeah the mother's teaching a class and there's yeah. like a like holo- a cool holographic classroom.
1: Yeah, and and the question that mother asks, uh, I think, is kind of uh, the key to the entire film here, which is that uh, there are five patients who all require five, uh, five organs. Uh, a patient comes in who is ill uh, and uh, is a candidate match for all five, uh, for all five people. If the uh, if the doctor doesn't care, uh, you know, delays care, the patient will simply die, and five other people will get the organs they need however the question is is that should that however if the person if the doctor doesn't uh helps this person the other five will likely die so the question there is uh, obviously you know like the medical uh, the, the the ethics of medical treatment and and who ca- who is entitled to care and you know like uh, what is the is the greater good um, um, uh, uh, an appropriate philosophy when you're wi- when you're taking someone's life um, and I think I think you know that there are obviously uh, a lot
0: of uh, uh, philosophical t- ticks on this on this particular subject um, and daughter even asks the right questions by the end of that sort of statement Hmm. of the classroom being like well yeah there's the sheer numbers of it but also who are these people and then who who am I to judge who these people are
1: yeah, I think I think the question she asks is is a sort of more information gathering uh, exercise. And I think I think that question is irrelevant to the to the sort of the thought process, because the thought process is is it doesn't matter. does Are you only going to help people for whom you have judged um, to be worthy of your help? Uh, well, there's and, two and, sides and, of that. Yeah, of course. You know, and 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 I think the question that's being asked there, more broadly, is uh, is one person's life more, uh, willing to sacrifice over the greater good, which is a question that comes into play later on in the film. Um, and I, I I think the the reason why this film works so well is that 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 philosophical underpinning to what the film is is so strongly set up. And so strongly played out throughout the entirety of the film. And it never feels like the film ever gives way to just have a big whiz-bang action sequence. It does have fairly exciting tense sequences later on in the film. But it never feels like they're... At the sake of that philosophical question.
0: Well, the, the thing is, you know, we, we talk about like what's best for the greater good or how do you serve the greater good. The thing about this film that's actually really, really amazing, and we'll get into spoilers in a minute, but yeah, there's that question and it doesn't really answer it because you really can't. And then, uh, Emmanuel it, can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh. And then, uh, but then it then takes it even a step further and, and is like, yeah who's greater good? Yeah. What is greater good? How do you define the greater good? And it's like, you're like, oh, no. Well,
1: (laughs) I mean, that's what that question, you know, like, you know, these philosophical questions are sort of designed to ask... To to
0: elevate you to that second level of it. And this movie does that very, very well with how it reveals the why of what's going on.
1: And the why is, uh, is, is kind of surprising in that it's not a... It's not tropey. It, 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 yeah. It doesn't feel like there is a sort of, uh, the film is probing the question and pondering it and asking questions it doesn't definitively come down on Good or bad, or this is right and this is wrong. It kind of opens that question up, which I think you know. Again, the reason why I think this is a spiritual successor to Terminator is the is the greatest one of the greatest elements of Terminator Two. For example, is the long road at the end of it. You know, like that shot of the winding road, where, she, where um, Sarah Connor basically says, "I don't know what the future holds, but I'm hopeful." And that you know, like she's the future could be terrible, the future could be great. It's basically pondering that question. And I think the 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 sort of okay, so the the act um, the sort of business side of me goes this is the person whom should be given the helm of a franchise like that and they should be given the helm with the freedom to make a tiny film within this franchise to make a story within this franchise that is not about setting up another film but telling a tiny story within it that that essentially underpins what makes this
0: franchise interesting um i there, think two the, things you said there aren't mutually exclusive you could do both and still set up for a thing like you can you can you, do both you, it you just c- doesn't happen terribly it doesn't often.
1: happen terribly often um and uh i the, the, the so again this this film just got my brain thinking about yeah. a lot of things um the one the other thing that it got me thinking about was that there's a, there's this exercise we did in design class um in year one of design class which i it it's basically become like a uh, a way I approach life kind of thing, and I think this film kind of plays into it. But essentially, we were told to um, to go and model, uh, to, to look at a space, um, and I was given like a, a harbor dock, uh, and, and to create a model of it, which is not... Um, which is not a one to one representation of it, but takes the essence of it and can be its own thing. Right. And so the idea is that you're supposed to create kind of like a sculpture or something like mm-hmm. that, which evokes the feeling of that place, but is not a representation. Like the worst, the 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 absolute wrong answer is to do a model of a dog. Right. Um. And I and and that's kind of what I thought about this film in that in that. I don't think it's directly trying to be a successor to Terminator, for example. I just think it ends up being that by by essentially taking the essence of what is interesting of Terminator and modeling it and creating and creating something that is unto itself, which is this idea of the relationship between algorithm and free will. Well,
0: it's also yeah. it's also it's an elevator. it's a it's an evolution of it. Like the it, you know it's it's uh, robots. Uh, now we're going to get into I, I, at this point. Let's just say yeah. we're going to be getting into spoilers because yeah. it's hard to talk about the stuff without getting into it. So if you haven't go seen it, pause us. Go watch the wonderful two hours, then come back. Oh, hi, how you doing? Uh, This starts positing, you know, depending on the evil robot's programmed philosophy, is it evil? Yeah. Like Terminator, you're like, nowhere in the story is it ever like, oh, they're doing it for a good reason. A possible good reason. uh, Other than, like, kill human bad nonsense like it's again i think it goes back terminator is a bit more of a have no mouth and i'm a scream scenario where like computers were trained to hate therefore they hate um i don't think computers are trained to hate i think they're trained to make an that that's the
1: interesting thing they're trained to make an algorithmic decision of like what is the great good right
0: no not not in terminator terminator is is they were machines of war and then they realized they had sort of uh, i guess a, no they
1: made a calculation they that made humanity- a
0: calculation but like not in the, so their calculation in terminator is uh Greater good of, I guess, the planet. So they kill all the people. Yeah. That's what they're doing. And I am mother the greater good is still for humans it's just what the what the algorithm considers the greater good for humans
1: yeah and and it gets into this question because what happens later on is we reveal that uh, daughter is not the first daughter that has been uh, that has been burst into the world and and the failure of the previous daughters uh, has has led them to, uh, uh, to to sort of doing this sort of almost uh, um, uh, I guess, selective breeding yep. process. Although although I will say Mother's selective breeding process was really flawed, which is that uh, she wasn't breeding. She was basically taking isolated cases and hoping that they would turn out, as opposed to, you know, like in genetics, taking... Taking the best of this person and, and, splice, and sure. putting it in with this person. Sure. She
0: was doing what humans have been doing with dogs, uh, for instance, for. Well, with, with dogs
1: is what is, you know, like, for example, the breeding of foxes has, has, has a long story of like how bro- foxes became domesticated.
0: We never, but I'm saying, it, I I do believe that Mother's plan would eventually get there with yeah, the breeding yeah, she's... of the type. She's, she's creating the proto people to then breed with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if they don't measure up, something I thought was really smart about mm-hmm. this movie was the line that I said in the beginning mothers need time. Time to learn. Yeah. And at first when you uh when we first found out that um uh that there were other kids and they were uh that they were uh basically the remains were incinerated The way they play this character of Mother, I was on Mother's side for most of this film. Yeah. And I was like, I bet you it's a misunderstanding. (laughs) I bet you, like, the line of it takes mothers a long time to learn would be like her basically, and it's a horrible thought, but a machine raising a child, there's gonna be accidents. And like, I thought it was like she accidentally killed kids (laughs) as she was, I I thought it was gonna go that route of like questioning, like, it can't do this great the first time. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't do that, but I liked that my brain went there, and yeah. that it did. It, it had another subversion again, where I was like, "Oh,
1: yeah." It, the text is open enough that you could interpret it, and in, or you could you could allow yourself the room to interpret it. In many until ways.
0: I think it has a very definitive uh, w- I, of the what happened and why. I think it has a definitive in terms of, in terms of
1: what mother was doing. Yes, but what?
0: Uh, but, <laughs> but 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 I liked that I didn't uh, up until the end. I didn't have a clear idea like. It left me guessing the motivations of what Mother was doing.
1: Yeah, and I think the ending is kind of that 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 opens that question because ultimately Mother um, posits the self sacrifice that is that it you know like uh, she sort of takes in the. She accepts the self-sacrifice that she posited originally in that medical question, you know, like because essentially uh, what daughter says in that sequence is like, if I'm giving up my life, then I think that's okay. I'm expected to to, to take on the burden, but I can't choose that for somebody else. Yeah. and mother makes that choice at the end by allowing daughter to shoot her, but of course she doesn't really, because mother is part of a a, a greater con- uh, consciousness, and she also there's a final sequence with Hilary Swank, which realizes that. Mother's role in all of this has been slightly—I'm not sure if insidious is the word, but but uh, slightly meticulous, yeah, uh, slightly more uh, in- involved, involved. And I, you know, like I want, the question I pondered was like, uh, was the source of embryos uh, Hillary Swank? You know, like
0: what? Oh, interesting. No, the, I, I took it as. Again, I don't know, because the film doesn't really talk about, like, first, it it lies in the beginning of the film, and it's like, oh, there was a plague, and humanity died, and that's why we're here, and you can't go outside, because the contagions and blah, 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 blah. Turns out that's not the case. Seems like robots just killed a bunch of people.
1: Uh, no, uh, is that the case? I, th- I think they 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 talk about how humans died out, but they didn't say why. Well, they
0: they talked about humans.
1: That. Uh, robots are certainly killing humans
0: now. Yeah, well, because they want they they were basically killing humans. Well, or were they?
1: Because because Hillary Swank's character, uh, who does she have a name? No, she's
0: she's woman. She's
1: woman. Um, says that they flooded out the the mine shafts, which is where the. But the... here's
0: the thing that could have happened. So this is what I love about this yeah. movie. The stuff that the human characters are talking about, like they talk about in terms of like a human being's lifespan, right? Mothers playing like hundreds or thousands of years game. Yeah,
1: here. well, she's a, she's a
0: because she's, yeah, her lifespan it, yeah, or is it, that. its life, I should yeah. say the the and so they're talking about like oh the the machines came and stormed the caves or whatever. Like we don't actually know why the machines started killing the people. Maybe there was a plague and people were going crazy and then they had to do it and and their motivation was programmed to save humanity and the way they thought to do it was start it again under the tutelage of their own – the programmed code of ethics that they sort of have. Yeah maybe it, maybe they saw the Earth in a Terminator-esque sort of scenario where it's just keep people just killing each other in senseless wars, and they're like, yeah, we can end this and do it better. But we can do it better based on what humans taught us was ethical, because they're not acting ethically, so maybe they did then swarm and destroy all the humans in a great war. It never goes into that.
1: I think there's a certain uh, degree of imagery towards the end as um, uh, mother and woman are walking across the sort of barren landscape, which suggests that there was... Mother a, and woman? Uh, yeah, mother. Or, uh, Helen, mother uh, sorry, daughter and woman. Yeah, uh, walking yeah. across the landscape, yeah. uh, and we and we see sort of. Um, a a barren land, you know, like a barren ground yeah. where where things don't grow, uh, and then they're passing oil wells and rigs and things like that. As in, it might the implication to me is that there's a, a resource problem and a and eventual oh, maybe dying the, out, dying out of the ability to grow food. Maybe it's an environmental thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a. Uh, thing it felt, that humans, like,
0: maybe humans killed the killed the, the ability to sustain their own population, and, and then they're yeah
1: yeah, and then and then you know uh, a woman talks, you know Hillary Swank's character talks about how uh, she'd never she'd never seen crops grow, but it's. Such Suddenly, in the last, you know, suddenly crops are starting to grow, and they're, the the machines seem to be cultivating a process for like growing food. So this is the interesting thing because machines don't need food unless they need reason, you know, unless they're using cornstarch oil or something like that. Um, but but they're essentially. Cultivating food again for uh,
0: a reemergence of the human population. Yeah, that they have then hopefully trained to be ethical and not destroy the planet. Yeah, uh, the the I loved I loved the design of the corn machines, mm-hmm. like those just long rows of like giant arms that were just like moving yeah. across the thing.
1: And we saw the hunter killer, what looked like the hunter killer, and that was to me. I was like, oh, that's the most that's the most overt reference to right. the Terminator franchise. Um, but I, I, you know, I just I kind of watched this and go. Man, God, imagine if we lived in a world where Terminator whatever was this film. Yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, but here's the thing. We have this film.
0: Like, yeah. I I like Terminator for its, its... Terminator has some, and I'm specifically talking about one and two. Yeah, those are the uh, only ones we worth talking about. Has um, a good sort of simplified, like, I would say like a 101 level of philosophy to it
1: right i i i would I would posit that it is slightly deeper than that, but but they're, this they're... but
0: but something like this is a is like a three oh one or a four oh like it's it's <laughs> it's like because there's there's layer upon layer with it, yeah, so I like again, I go back to my I sometimes do want evil robots who just think they're good and I can get behind the humans because the, obviously the robots are wrong, and this film, I'm like. Ah, uh, yeah, me, uh.
1: it actually you know uh, so one of the things i I always like to do uh, is to think about the references that the film posits towards you um, because I think those references are, key to, to to just thinking about what the filmmaker might be thinking about they're not they shouldn't be treated as Canon or anything like that or or as absolute but they you know it's interesting to look at what the filmmaker is drawing upon uh, one uh, to me is the uh, uh, it felt like a lot of this film was drawing on the uh, the works of the artist Simon Stahlhag mm. have you seen any of his no. uh, paintings his he does these post-apocalyptic paintings where machine there, there's been like a kind of fallout between machines and humanity and we're kind of living in a world where uh, there's a sort of negotiated space between those two things. Okay. So you see things like robots acting as nannies um, for for little kids or little kids playing around with like toy guns, and they happen to be playing around the foot of a giant robot. Or, um, you know, things like that. So yeah. there's, there's been this fallout. So I felt like the uh, the work is kind of uh, leading there. The other one is the book that uh, Hilary Swank is um, is uh, drawing her pictures in, which is The God of Mars uh-huh. uh, by Rice Edgar, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Uh, he wrote the, um, the John Carter from Mars yeah, yeah, yeah. series, yeah. Uh, which is this idea of, like, this... Uh, alternate landscape where humanity has no has no place and and god of mars is an interesting one because it's kind of like a, a small story within that bigger world um or a smaller story within that bigger world and i i i think that that approach uh, is is really Fruitful in this case, you know, like, like the, the sort of you know, ultimately, the this film ticks so many boxes that work so well, you know, like, again, I, I thought of uh, um, the film we reviewed a couple of years ago, 10 Cloverfield Lane, ah, uh, yes. you know, like that sort of sense of shout out to Dan Trachtenberg Dan Trachten, uh, yeah. who just
0: redid the Warframe, Warframe animatic, opening, which and he's is about amazing. To be doing
1: the Uncharted film, yep, um, and and you know, like, I thought about that sort of self contained cinema of doubt, you know, like where, where a character is doubting the 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 sort of the truth that has been presented to them, sure. and and you know like has to negotiate whether that truth still holds. Um, and this character of daughter kind of has to do that several times over. I thought about the film Moon a lot. Yeah, the Duncan Jones yep. film with this uh, sort of sentient uh, artificial intelligence that is ultimately there to help this this character that is entirely
0: isolated. there is ultimately there to <laughs> not let us watch that film anymore because it's the voice of a problematic actor. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there is that. Yeah, there is that. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not. I'm kidding? I don't know. Yeah. I really enjoyed Rose Byrne's voice in this film. I think she did Uh, really great. Something interesting. (laughs) We've been talking for roughly 45 minutes (laughs) about this film, and you know it's good because, and this is a weird thing, we didn't talk about, like, like we've just been talking about the film as the film. Right. We and we talked a little bit about the art direction stuff, mm-hmm. but the 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 performances in this movie all around are phenomenal. Uh first and mm-hmm. foremost, uh I'll, I'll even say your boy Luke Hawker.
1: So I I know I've met Luke Hawker a couple of times. I've worked on projects around him. Um, he's an actor from Wellington, New Zealand. He works
0: at Weta Workshop. He, he works was with... the lead director on The Mother uh, yeah. Robot, which is actually him. Yeah, he's inter... the actor in, in this suit they designed.
1: I loved when... It, it, it reminded me of Interstellar, for example, when when Mother started running uh, and it was that sense of like you've you've watched this design kind of walk around in one scenario, yeah, and then suddenly they they shift to another scenario, and you realize the design has broader implications. You
0: know, in Interstellar in you saw uh, it was uh, the the cube robots yeah. that eventually realized and this mother goes from like a dotting like yeah, like Rosie the robot from the Jetsons, although that rolled, but uh, and he and then like when something hits the fan, mother snaps into like a battle esque mode and starts like soldier running.
1: There's there's so many subtle hints in the design of this robot that is so well done. So, for example, one thing I noticed is when Mother was walking away, uh, and it was a reverse shot, that she has slightly wider hips than a robot probably would need, yeah. and that's, you know, indicative of, of what her role is in this, which is that sort of maternal thing. Yeah. And I love the, the design of her... Uh, the heat pads yeah, on the arms heat, and the heat stomach. Pads on her, on her to arms. To hold babies. To hold the baby. And then she has this sort of, like, uh, music player uh, in her arm, and she's... Playing Moon River. And I love the design of her... Uh, like, so much in, in sort of um uh hard objects like this the, the the challenge is how do you express emotion through a hard object
0: and the, uh, the face is very very
1: good yeah the face has basically these these two sort of circular
0: uh um, one eye in the center and then two circular um basically uh, buttons let's call them mm. that like go on a on a yeah. half circle and they move up and down and, and, and
1: it's an, and you're, you're looking at it going i'm not sure it's intended to look like this but it whenever she expresses some sense of joy. It looks like a smile.
0: Yeah, it you moves know? to yeah the points yeah. where to smile. And I
1: thought me. that was just such a it's such a great uh,
0: consideration of design. Uh, I was watching a I, I watched like this half hour interview with Luke uh, mm. about the design of the robot and all the mm. different things. It's like so he weighs like 145 pounds. Yeah, he's a very uh, slight guy. Uh, Good looking man too. This <laughs> suit wore 90. It weighed 90. Right, right. Uh, he designed it down to every sort of uh, millimeter of his body because otherwise he wouldn't be able to do the things he needed. He was talking about like there was a joint like just in the at the elbow joint. He had to sand something for a day to get it down a millimeter to make sure that, like, his elbow would work. He, like, made sure the bicep rings and the ball bearings all matched his measurements. And it was so many different materials. Yeah. uh, To the point where he said uh, the most expensive part of the entire movie... was Mother's Hands. Right. Because he's a small guy, but he's actually like me. He has big hands. Yeah. And uh, he was like, he didn't humble, want... Humble break. Comic... <laughs> what's that? Oh, because hand size... It, uh, spoiler alert, hand size and mm. penis size totally not incongruent? I don't know. Uh, ask the President of the United States. Oh, no! States. Uh, but the the... Uh, he was worried that the robot would have like just these dumb big hands so they spent the majority of or a lot of their budget on making uh the hands are made out of actually um what's it called it's um uh set of titanium okay and it's 2 millimeters thick across all of the pieces so it can actually maneuver he can actually, he can and actually it's light enough and it digit. moves and whatever and uh the interviewer when they were looking at they like they both sort of nerded out because they were both machinists yeah. and they're like yeah this shouldn't be able to like not, this has never been like built like this before but right. they needed it to have because mother has to do very specific precise things yeah other cool stuff uh the way he saw in the suit uh was through basically uh the same type of optic cameras that drone pilots use Uh, So like it's like a it's like a almost like a stereoscopic 3D thing where it's like a uh, you kind of sort of see in 3D you put it oh you you mean the actor the the actor inside Luke and so he could actually see and granted he didn't have any periphery and he had to rely on his team to sort of take care of him on the sides but like. They first tried to like make it so he could see through some of the stuff, and it just didn't work. So they had to put cameras in and whatnot.
1: I mean, obviously, this is the the, the sort of fundamental thing here is that it's a
0: live practical effect. And, yeah, and, and that's and what it, ma- it shows. and helps. And God, just do this. More. I I go back to I was it's talking expensive to, though. I know, but dump. But but like, that's where your money should go. Like a lot of times, depending on like for instance, when they get outside of the bunker. Yeah. It's very uh, green screen. You can you can tell. It's... I think it's an augmentation of like real locations. I, I mean, a lo- I, I don't think that they were ever off of a studio. I honestly I, I... don't think so. Oh, we, could, we should be- look it up because the beach thing felt like it was they were on. Oh, uh, maybe st- they walked to the beach. Yes, okay. uh, the, but like when they were in the, um, the, the I don't know, the barren know. field. The barren field on the beach when it wasn't the water. Yep. Like everything did feel green screen to me, which is fine. But like that—that—that's sort of my point. <laughs> I they they knew they had a certain amount of money and yeah. they knew what was the important element versus what they could dump more money into to make look 4% better right like and that's just smart producing and when you're having a i mean mother is th- one of the main characters right and if it was a cg robot I just don't think you could pull off the type of things you'd need to pull off with Mother.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I've been for the last week, I don't know why this has been my relaxation binge, is watching um, a bunch of um, filmmaking reality shows like Project Greenlight. Ah. and The Chair, and, uh, and you. the reason I watch them is I, I think it reminds me of the challenge that every film uh, comes up. You know, every film is a miracle, essentially. But, but in the last season of Project Greenlight, there was this, like, real push for the director to shoot on film. It was, like, this famous thing. It, it memed all over, the, uh, all over the internet when it came out in 2014. Uh, and basically, the director was given a choice. You can have $300,000 to shoot this film on film, or you can have two extra shooting days. And the director chose to shoot on film. And I think the thing that you're talking about there is that is the is the subtle choices that you have to make um, for the for the success and health of the film. Yes, uh, at the sacrifice of other things. Yeah, and like you know, one of the sacrifice. But although, you know, there's no part of me that goes if you're not interested in sort of a production manage, you know, production of films. If you're watching this, I don't think anything feels compromised. Like nothing, nothing when you no. watch it feels like oh they had a
0: low budget. Like it feels like you're saying the, outside of being sort of. Uh, industry person? Like yeah. Looking it, at it, it like it, in that it, way? Yeah.
1: If you're a general audience member, there's nothing in this that that looks and sure. feels yeah, cheap yeah, yeah, yeah. or, or yep. that like they had to compromise on a certain vision. It feels like the vision was the thing that was articulate. You know, we talked about this on Hereditary um, where the, the film was kind of designed, you know, like they built the sets for that film and it... It seems like an odd choice because you could just—it was just a house, but it was so integral to the design of the film yes. that kind of made sense. And it was like the production really like understood that. And I think that that's a you know what you're talking about in terms of the articulation of this. Of course, they've got they managed to get the infrastructure of Weta Workshop behind yeah. this, which uh, for those who aren't involved in the industry, Weta Workshop, Weta Digital are two of the best, uh, both practical and visu- and post-production visual effects houses in the world, both in New Zealand. Shout out to my hometown, Wellington. Um, humble brag, humble brag. <laughs> Is that a humble brag for me? That's more. <laughs> Of like a, that's more of like generalized a sh- humble brag. No, that's a shout out because I'm not involved with any of those two places. I'm just like celebrating that they exist. Humble brag was if I were wo- if I owned uh, went a workshop, if I worked there, or I was somehow involved with those places. I'm not. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, a I'm bunch from the there. place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like saying that oh, uh, humble brag, New York produced Martin Scorsese. That's because of. You know, humble brag. Humble brag. That makes I mean, no the, the, rules, I, 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 the rules of the rules humble brag. I'm going
0: to make it so nebulous yeah. that it will not work anymore.
1: Right. You should, there, uh, There's a great humble episode, brag. There's a great <laughs> episode of Comedy <laughs> Bra- Bang Bang with Harris Whittles talking about humble brag. Rest in peace, Harris Whittles. No. Um, yeah. No. I think I, I I I there's so much to chew on on this film, and I think you know you 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 posited the question that it's not fruitful to say something is a perfect film. Right,
0: I I, I I would think, and and uh, I I'm, you I'm know, right I'm, now. Yes, sure. Let's I'm, go with it.
1: I'm struggling to think of anything in this film that fundamentally doesn't work in a way that negates its overall. Style and, and like I what like, it's trying to do. What it's trying to do, and I and I and I would say that is
0: uh, uh, you know a degree of perfection that I think is really seen. See, now we're getting into a very dangerous territory, here right? Because uh, what's
1: the implication of saying perfection? Uh,
0: well, like so, for instance, let's say because we both love this film and we can't find anything that it's doing that's particularly damage What it's trying to do, mm. that we think it's like a perfect film, right? Yeah. Uh, the the problem is, mm. and it rotates back with different viewers and different audiences and etc. Uh, and I'm not saying this is me, yeah. but I could also see, let's just go back to a popcorny nonsense movie, Spider-Man Far From Home. Right. Someone could say, that's a perfect film, because mm-hmm. it did exactly what I thought it was going to do and what I wanted it to do and what I think the directors were trying to do. And then if we said that this was... We would be like we can't say that that person's incorrect either because it's it's all about I mean, we even go back to the the, the critic reviews versus the uh, audience reviews of this film. Like right. people were like, "Oh, it's slow. The ending's dumb." And I, I know those aren't like constructive things mm-hmm. to say, right? But but it, we get into a like a bit of a of a slope I th- there. I think
1: the broader implication of what you're saying is that a critic can't make obj- uh, can't make. Um, rationalized choices.
0: I think again, it goes that, back. That's to, what it, concerns it goes me about to, what you're saying. It goes back to wording. We, I don't think anyone can say, "I Am Mother" is a perfect film. I think someone can say, "I Am Mother" is a perfect film for me. Right. Uh, because again, the definition of perfection is a bit, and, and then and then you want to go into like and it's you really, your middle name really should be changed to something. I know, I know, but but I <laughs> think it's kind of important. It's, I find it very interesting too because. Okay even let's 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 go down the hole. Uh if I said I am mother is a perfect film for me. Right. It's a little bit weird because then the idea of perfection would mean like this is the everything that this movie did is exactly what I want. But then if something else comes out Right, I mean, no, I, not necessarily. Okay, not fix, not necessarily. fix what I'm saying here. Well, because uh, you know, like we've had
1: this discussion before about Guillermo del Toro, for example, where mm-hmm. I've I've said I think his films are perfect films. Like I, I think. Um, I'm uh, not The Shape of Water, but um, uh, what was the one? Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth is like, in my in my estimation, a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I didn't quite respond to it, per, you know, per se, but I think it's a perfe- perfect film. Wait,
0: I, wait, what? We we've had this conversation. <laughs> I know. Wait, say yeah. it again. You didn't respond to it, but it's a perfect film. Yeah. Then yeah. how is it a perfect film? Because if you like, didn't I, I, think, I think to it?
1: everything that that film is sitting out to do, it does brilliantly, and it and it executes it really so you well. Think but on, a, uh, on a technical
0: no, level. No, 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 on no, no, technical
1: level. I, th- I I personally, for some reason. Reason, well, whatever reason I didn't quite respond to it, well, but I, what but are I the think, levels? I guess. Is but, my question. But, but that's my response to it, and I and I, but I still think I cannot fault any moment in that film for not working or not doing exactly what it is intended to do, and exactly what it intended to do beautifully.
0: So you are now positing. That you know exactly what they were trying to do, even though it was something that would not resonate with you, and they executed that to perfection.
1: I th- I I think there's a there's uh, we've talked about this on that. Episode, I know I'm talking yeah, about it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that is that for me? That film didn't quite resonate. There was just a moment where I think if the film was to truly, truly, truly land for me, then there would be a moment of excitement, and it didn't quite happen to me. But I can certainly see that the moment is there, and it happens, and it's beautiful, and
0: it's executed. Perfect. So here's my question, and I love, I love this. (laughs) Is there a film? Is there a modification? And and this is sort of the. So so that film. There's no way that it could be modified at all. Now I'm not saying now. I'm saying like in its (laughs) inception, like Mm. taking that thing and to make it both a perfect film and that resonates with you. Because
1: if there. Here's, here's one thing I would say about it is I watch it and acknowledge that in the right context, I might feel that way on a different viewing. Uh, but, but so it's I, subjective. Uh, but yeah. Well, I mean, is the, criti- that,
0: criticism is subjective, Sure. Right? Perfection is subjective. Yeah. Perfection is subjective mm-hmm. in, criti- in criticism but, 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 like, above but, art, like, right? But, but for instance, and I, like art, or calling something uh, a perfect thing, you have to sort of put onto it for you. Because it's, it, it, you it know is subjective. I, I, into,
1: if we're thinking about the sort of uh, the broader context of your need for semantic, um, semantic uh, ideation that is that is logically rational, um, I think I am mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, literally, yeah, I yeah. am mother. Um, I think you're weighing the word perfection uh, as as a to have broader implications because of like, if you say the word perfection here, what is it? What what is the ramifications? I'm going up things? the definition of the word perfection. Meaning, like, no, but you're, you're, perfect. You even said that like, if I say this is perfect, then what am I saying about every other film? Well, you I've you
0: have read? to you have to you have to measure it against other things because right. there's like the can can more than one thing be perfect. Interesting. That, I that's don't, what I think.
1: I think we're sort of. Uh, but getting...
0: yes, but in different contexts, in right. different things. So, but again, but then you can't say. Like, so, for instance, I could say, I can't say, "I am Mother" is a perfect film, right. because then that's just putting everything that I would consider a film against this and saying this is the the best, most perfect one. Where I, I could say something no, along he, the lines of, "But yeah, couldn't more than one film be perfect?" But then when you when you do that, you're splintering what the category of perfection is. You, if you're going to use words to label things, you have to use words accurately to label things. That's <laughs> okay. what I'm saying. Again, there's there's a whole emotional side of this that yeah. I'm not really discussing. And, but I'm I guess, talking I guess about the only le-
1: the only thing about what you just said though that sort of I, I'm sort of curious about is that that means that there is a. That there's a uniformity amongst
0: films, right? Like, there, like even it, it's a categorization, and yeah, the, and, yeah, you and can, the categorization and, and is you about how you uni- out of that categorization is you further sub tier the categories,
1: right? But not even sub tier, but there's like a lack of uniform, like you know, a comedy is a different film from a science fiction film, uh, 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 a war film is a different film,
0: only from- because we put as a society and with our language those values on those things. Yes,
1: no, but there, but there, there there's a variety of things, and I, and I, I guess what I think what you're saying is is that. You can't say that a war film, for example, is a perfect film because it's a different genre to a science fiction film, which it's I'll go one further because it's a different
0: film. Like you, the it, right. things are so you, you. Like I'm trying to think. Like I don't think I'll ever be able to, even on this podcast or in my life, be able to accurately say the the proper thing. So if I wanted to say, because I do, I really like I Am Mother. So yeah, if I yeah. wanted to put we, it- We've
1: into, gone beyond like whether we like I Am Mother. Into the
0: content. No, I'm using this in the example. Yeah, yeah. Um, If I wanted to try to accurately say how I thought I Am Mother was a perfect film, I would say, and again, this is not headline grabbing or clickbaity, but I would say something along the lines of I Am Mother is a perfect science fiction dystopia film about robots Trying to figure out the best course of humanity that I have ever seen. Hmm. That yeah. is a that's a more accurate statement yeah. to me than just saying "I am mother" is a perfect film, because okay. I can punch holes in in that first one even myself if I said it. Right. Whereas if I sort of. Uh, g- the more specific the definition, or the critique, or the the the, the, the okay, that sort so of thing, is where I live.
1: I'm gonna pull up a wiki uh, Wikipedia here, thing and a, and a definition of perfection going back to Aristotle, uh, which has got a three tiered um, definition, which is a which is complete, which contains all the requisite parts, which is so good that nothing in the uh, of the kind could be better. Right. Which has attained its purpose. And I think the second one is the one that you have trouble. Well, it's with. more the third one,
0: right? The perfect, nothing could be better. Uh, that's what you. That's why you have no, no, to so put there's,
1: there's three which is complete contains all the requisite parts two is which is so good that nothing of a kind could be better oh you, three, didn't, you didn't read the third right? one three confused. is which has attained
0: its purpose Ah, yeah, I'm on two. You're on three.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I, I, I think we're having a, a sort of, and we don't have time to go into the differences of, no, well, of those think, sort of things. But I, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting because from a meta-textual point of view, um, we're look, both correct due to Wikipedia. No, no, no. no. From a meta-textual point of view, this is essentially the, the, the philosophical question that I am, that mother is kind of asking, ding, ding,
0: ding, 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 ding. Um,
1: which is that no, because, because she is ultimately trying to, i uh, get humanity towards a state of perfection, right? Like she's, she's, she believes that there is a State of fiction and, and like what is the threshold for perfection for her um, in this scenario and, and the reward for perfection for her is the is the propagation of the species right yeah and and I think even she even says this thing um, which is that I want to um, celebrate my maker. Or something like that, you know, like it. Yep. was always it reminded me of uh, uh, David from uh, Alien Prometheus. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, which is you know, which is far. I'll, I'll do far the, I'll do the from perfect. Yeah. Said David. Yeah, yeah, far from perfect. Um, but I think I think that's an interesting question because the I think the the broader philosophical thing that you're sort of uh, getting towards is that is that nothing can attain perfection because the categorization of perfection requires a decategorization of other things, right? Uh, that's a definitely a a, uh, yeah. a a piece of it I, right. don't, I don't know if, uh, i i will i will I will just come in with this, which is that I don't disagree with you on a semantic level uh, I, and I don't disagree with you with your rationalization. I will just say this for our listeners. I am mother for me is a perfect film and you should absolutely
0: watch there it. we go. i I think you should watch I am mother as well. I think it is well worth your time, I think beyond. Uh, the fun little thing that we just sort of roundaboutly came back to the film due to Shahir's uh, meta tagging mm-hmm. in his own brain. Um, I think it has a lot to say, and I think you can get into fun discussions with your friends. I do wish I watched it with people so I could talk about it right after, as I did go to bed and I was like, mm-hmm. "I was like, do I talk to Zoe, my cat, about it? I don't. That's that's crazy, right? I, I mean, Zoe is
1: mother in this scenario. Uh, right? True. Like she, she's tucking you in. Yeah." And she's deciding whether you live or die. Yeah. (laughs) Oh,
0: God, that is so true. Uh, This has been the only podcast about the film I Am Mother. Shaheer, when you're just not being perfect, where can folks find you?
1: You can find me imperfectly being emotionally unresonant towards people uh, (laughs) at my website, www.shaheerdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are uh, trying to figure out what is perfect, uh, where can people find
0: you? In the mirror. No, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. Humble brag. <laughs> um, no, that's just brag. No, no, and also a lie. You can find me lying at m a t t h e w k r o l for my life and works. Also Skeletor the number four p r e z on Instagram and PSN or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Also uh, shout out to the Extra Credits crew. We're doing some good stuff over there. Uh, actually, you know what? Uh, we just finished a couple weeks ago our our extra sci fi season on dystopias and apocalypses. And if you like the sort of thing about I Am Mother, uh, there there's a lot of different takes we do across I believe ten or nine episodes of great literary works of dystopias and and, uh, and apocalypses. Uh, 1984, Fahrenheit, um, Player Piano, a bunch of good stuff, uh, Stand on Zanzibar. There's so much, like, sci-fi is a rich tapestry of, of messing with your brain and trying to figure out the logical fallacies of the world. Uh, and uh, you should go check those out. Yeah. Uh, next week! We don't know. <laughs>
1: what are we doing? I mean, hopefully, we'll get to the farewell. Yeah. Uh, which I've heard very good things about. Hopefully, if we can get some time for that. Please write us in if you have things that you want us to see. Uh, hit us up at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or, or on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Tell us the things that we might be missing on Netflix or
0: that we should see in a theater. I really want to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Of course, we're um, going to see that.
1: Um, there's a uh, another person I knew uh, uh has the. Uh, uh, cinematic pod oh I've got forgotten the name hang on
0: I basically I the, the my journey with that movie is the first trailer, I was like I don't care and then everything in- that's come out since I've been like this just keeps getting me more hump- piped uh, pumped and I don't know uh piped <laughs> gets me more piped <laughs> uh, I'm so piped right now you're
1: so piped uh, I I actually have forgotten the name of uh, the podcast, but uh, I think it's the Pure Cinema podcast uh, with uh, uh, a a friend from a long time ago who I haven't spoken to in a very, very long time, but the Pure Cinema podcast uh, with Elric Kane, uh, who I went to college with, and uh, who uh, in the last week interviews Quentin Tarantino about the cinematic references for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and you listen to Quentin Tarantino, and you realize that this man has seen more movies than I think any human being could have seen in one lifetime. Yeah. And he and he's so specific about the references he knows. Like he knows he he brought up a speech from a little known Elliot Gould film. Uh that and he and he's he did the speech for beta. Of course he did. And and it was I, I the it went on for a while and was remarkable and you, you could tell it was off the cuff like he wasn't like reading it from a list because he was he wasn't he was prompted it somewhere uh, it's remarkable his film history is remarkable what, you know we had uh, I had some some not as nice things to say about The Hateful Eight uh, yeah. but but uh, Quentin Tarantino gets every dollar uh, from me for, for all time yeah. uh, yes we will definitely see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which, which might be the week after the, fall, uh, the probably. farewell
0: probably uh, also I, I, feel, I felt bad that we didn't actually talk i know we're just right back into the thing but uh, uh clara Rudgard and hillary swank uh also did uh phenomenal in this film i just it's funny because we got so wrapped up in what the film means we didn't get into the performances i did just want to shout that out because they if there's
1: any negative not negative thing that i have to say is like uh, the future is all white people again <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a, yeah. No. Look. No. That's a. That's a snide remark. Uh, that's well, the
0: baby. The baby looked not white. <laughs> the, okay. The brother. Cool.
1: Oh, cool. Uh, I, I doesn't. But, you know, it, it, know, it's, a, it, it's It's.
0: It's legit. No, it is what it is. It was an I, hour and forty something minutes of I, just white people in a robot. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> Maybe d- it should just be called just white
1: people in a robot. Just white people in a robot. Okay. Oh. If you enjoyed, I am just white people in a robot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I. I hate doing that thing, which is like imposing. A thing on it but 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 films reflect society, yada 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 yeah. yada. You know, whatever. Anywho, Anywho next catch, week. Catch us next week when we might take in the farewell. There there's be there'll be movies to talk about.
0: Yeah. Or just one. Talk to you later. Bye bye.